she's this Christian wife, but she's going to be a vampire. And her husband is a pastor who thinks that he can exercise her. And there should be so much more to be said about the fact that he can't because there's nothing wrong with her. Um, yeah. But that wasn't, that was not in heaven. <laughs> he exercised by just stabbing people uh, and getting away with it in the end. Yeah. So. I'm Gabe. And I'm Kat. And we're the, the Ghouls, Ghouls Next, Next Door. Door. Talking about spooky stuff. Yes. Yes, and spooky ladies. And today's episode is very tits forward, as Gabe and I were <laughs> discussing yeah. before. So if you're watching, Monstrous yeah. Femme in this episode for us equals the ladies are out. Yep. The ladies are here. They're not playing around anymore. Empowered um, sexuality. Empowered what sexuality. Is uh, which is not what this film gives us. <laughs> By no way. means. Uh, in like <sighs> such upsetting levels. <laughs> yes. Like, why? why? I think while this? we were watching it, we were both like, can we... We can't not. There's not enough time to pick a different movie. And I tried. I'm going to like, and I'll tell you all about it. But yeah. um, for those joining us uh, here at the Ghouls Next Door, we are the media literacy podcast that examines uh, media through a horror lens and discusses the real life historical and folklore ways that uh, media is inspired by real life. So um, yeah. today we're going to be talking about Jacob's Wife which is a film about a woman who t- becomes a vampire. So it's a part of our Montrose Femme series. Um, and it's really like, it's just really hard to think of doing a, a monstrous series of any type and not including a vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really tried. I was spending a long time, like at first we picked Jacob's wife and primarily because of the title, I was like, Perfect. It seems like um, it's going to do a thing. Yeah. Like, this seems like exactly what we're looking for. Um, and then it just really wasn't seeming like that. And so we were trying to find other ones. And what I found often was um, that most of the media would be male vampires mm. uh, or like there were female vampires, but they were uh, like side characters or they were tools or devices for these male characters or they were vampire hunters. Like, Buffy. yeah. Or we'd <laughs> or like already Buffy. covered the film. Yes, yeah. So it wasn't available to be covered once more. Yeah, because we've already covered Queen of the Damned in our Anne Rice episode, um, though it doesn't quite fit because it doesn't feature feature Aaliyah as our protagonist on her journey for self-discovery or awakening um, or anything else empowering. She's actually the villain, so Uh (laughs) it doesn't really work. Um, Like, she was really cool and empowered, but she already did that. So, yeah, uh, and it wasn't about her. we did cover Bit, which would have been really fun to do for this series and would have hit a lot of the our check boxes for it. Um, and uh, but we've already done that. We did it in our queer horror series. So um, and I think I don't think we need to redo it. <laughs> like, I think yeah, that I think analysis is pretty decent. Yeah. Um, I considered covering Vamp with Grace Jones. Um, mm-hmm. But like with Queen of the Damned, she's not the protagonist. And she also does not speak a single word in the whole film. So uh, I didn't want to do that either. <laughs> that's super fair. I feel like other... Hopefully other films will exist one day. And I think what was most upsetting about this one is it's made in 2021 and it did not feel like that. Yeah, it um, definitely does not. So hopefully um, like in the future, we'll have more. Like yeah. four years, well, four more years of ghouls will be like, okay, <laughs> finally, it's time. the film has done it. We did it. Look at it do. So and happy. We can talk about it. Yeah. Celebrate. It is super upsetting that it's 2021 and I will definitely get into it. Um, yeah. But yeah, what drew me to Jacob's wife was, like I said, the title, because it's similar to how Jennifer's body draws you in, like, like, this was being very clear that this is a film about a woman whose autonomy has been taken from her, her voice, yeah. and her power. And my hope was that 
by the end of the film that we, she would get all that monstrous feminine awakening journey that we were looking for. And I am sad to say she does not do that. That does not happen in this film. Um, instead, we just get this film that starts strong, loses yeah. the thread in the early middle, and comes out with a muddied, complicated, rather unfeminist ending uh, that left a lot yeah. to be desired. And then also... There's a lot in here when I get into my section that was also very upsetting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, too. We'll talk about it. That's just very surprising for a film in 2021. Uh, and it was a film that um, I read somewhere that Barbara Crampton, um, the actress in it, had read the script a long time ago, quite a few years ago, and okay. was pioneering to get it moving forward and was like, we need to get this done. But the fact that it wouldn't get any rewrites or certain yeah. people aren't reading it to be like, hmm. Yeah, what do you think this? Let's look at the maybe? climate of the world and maybe just like not make these choices that we're making. Yeah, let's not be ignorant, right? Let's yeah. not completely dismiss the experiences of certain Americans um, <laughs> by making this film that actually doesn't even do what it set out to accomplish in the first place. So no one, yeah. like, it's not even a win. Like, I can't even be Across like, well, the, well, yeah, least. it's not like, don't critique it because we need it for to exist. It's we like, don't. no, I don't think anyone needed this film to exist, unfortunately. Yeah, we, we like, it maybe would have been don't. fine if it didn't exist. Uh, <laughs> it would be better if it didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why don't we get into it? Why don't we yeah. happen? And we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Um, so Jacob's wife, like we said, is from 2021, and it is about Anne, married to a small town minister, feels her life has been shrinking over the past 30 years. Encountering the master brings her a new sense of power and an appetite to live bolder. However, the change comes with a heavy body count. Um, it wasn't actually that heavy, and I'll talk about it. <laughs> the body count is problematic. Um, and like when you read that, it's really interesting. You're like, ooh, <laughs> like that's exactly the whole thesis of what this series is for the ghouls. It's perfect. And then we watched it and I was like, there was, there was several parts where we're like, do we have to keep watching this or could we just turn it off? Um, and yeah. we kept watching. So we watch it for you. You don't have to. Yeah. Um, but Jacob's wife follows Anne Fetter, who's played by the talented scream queen Barbara Crampton, and her pastor husband, Jacob Fetter. And our first glimpse into Anne's life is one of solitude. She yeah. sits in the pews as her husband delivers his sermons. Then she stands by his side as he greets their congregation. Um, she is verbally petted as a good wife. Like, or just like a good godly woman constantly yeah. just for being there and being silent. Um, and she remains silent, uh, though throughout this whole like introduction to her, you can really sense that she has this like instinct to intervene in a lot of the conversations to uh -huh. just like literally have an opinion um, <laughs> to be anything more than a wallflower uh, that she's been uh, for the entirety of this film. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, uh, later, when it's revealed that a young woman from their congregation has gone missing, her husband and friends assume that the girl has simply run away. And that seems like an impossibility in Anne's mind. Uh, and throughout the scene, that urge to speak that she's kind of been like pushing down this entire first part of this film continues to bubble up. And as a viewer, that tension really tugs at you each time she is spoken for or mm -hmm. talked over. Like it's like, Anne thinks this and then she goes to like say something and they're like Anne does that right um yeah. it's never like let's stop and listen to Anne um <laughs> which like I really felt that like every because you could see her like I was like oh my god this is gonna be good um and eventually she opens her mouth to defend this young woman and in her hesitancy like each time had like kind of lost the opportunity so it comes out as like kind of aggressive like oh just let me say this thing and it really shocks everyone who's there with her um yeah and eventually, like, they still dismiss what she says. Um, but it, it's kind of jarring to them because they're just like, who knew that Anne had opinions? Like, that <laughs> she had thoughts in her head and that they exist, like, <laughs> she could speak for herself. Oh, no one knew. Oops. There we go. I, I was, <laughs> I'm trying to do the thing of a Bob and I fucked it up. But it's fine. Oh, okay. um, I was about to say that uh, it's kind of like when you're, 
I resonated with that specifically, like as a woman, but also like from a like autism perspective, because I was mm-hmm. like, you always like miss the point. Like you wait for your turn to talk. You're like sitting there. You're like, I'm ready. Okay, I'm going to say the thing. I'm going to say it, and then you say it, but it's like five minutes too late, and then the conversation just dies, and you're just sitting there like, this is why I don't intervene. This is why I don't <laughs> say words. Oh God, <laughs> make it end. But yeah, it felt very much like that. But then at the same time. It's like I don't think that that was her experience. No, but cool. it is like the like I even have that where you're just like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm thinking about what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna contribute. Um, and then it's like, oh, that moment has passed. Is it still okay for me to contribute? Can I bring that back up? Like now I have <laughs> nothing to contribute. I've also stopped listening to everything that's being said because <laughs> I'm like stuck trying to remember what it is I want to say. Yeah, and you're um, just like the conversation has gone too fast. Yes. How? how was human how human broken and but then it like, seems like with this scene it's just that they she doesn't speak ever um and so she's just, they've gotten used to that yeah like commonly spoken for as you said like talked over spoken for so when she actually does like say things for herself they're like wait you're not supposed to do that. yeah they're what's like, that your whole vibe what are you doing you're supposed oh. to sh- yeah um, um yeah. I think your husband already told us what you think. So. Yeah, so you don't need to say it again. That's super repetitive. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, uh Anne, so later we find that Anne has been working with a group to save and renovate an old historic mill. And her husband dismisses this as like a hobby, like <laughs> not a job. Uh and he's uh is surprised that like she exists outside of him. Almost like it it really felt like he was just like, oh, that thing maybe you mentioned to me does like has some point in your life. I didn't know. Um, And he shows really like no interest until he learns that um, the one of the people that's involved in this project is an old flame of hers. And then he's like, now he's like, I don't know if you should go. Um, And this is because you're my toy. Don't play with no one can play with my toy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I think for me, like, it was a moment where I was like, oh, he isn't unaware of, like, how loveless, sexless, and just, like, everything-less that this marriage is. Yeah. Um, and is very aware that there is temptation for yeah. him. Um, but he, even for that moment of, like, jealousy and hesitancy, it's brushed off pretty quickly because he knows his Anne right? He's been with her for decades, um, and she would never. She is a good, God-fearing wife. She does what she is told and what is expected of her. He is not afraid. There's like Ugh. a hint of like, maybe, but it's like, <laughs> nah, she's going to behave. Yeah. Um, so she meets this old, fr- old flame and he plays with her. He's essentially like, you know, telling her about old times when she used to be fun and wild and like just young. Uh, <laughs> she was going to run away to a foreign country and live there. Um and he's just like, what happened to like the fun Anne? You know, the one who's young and with endless opportunities in front of her. Like she probably didn't grow up, settle down, and live her life responsibly. Like in a minute, um, yeah. and like essentially makes her feel bad for just like living a safe life. Um, yeah. And we learn here that Jacob had been there for Anne during trouble with her mother's health and that he was a very stable, reliable, and kind man that she felt she can settle down with. And so, um, and then, you know, just as like life is, it passes you by. And before you know it, you've just been living the same day to day. And so it becomes clear that like this vampire change is going to be like a midlife crisis kind of adventure um yeah for her or that's what you're hoping um but uh she through all those years of being married to jacob kind of just lost what her worth is um and as viewers we want Anne to leave like (laughs) we want her to leave jacob we want her to find her spark again um and eventually you see uh ann and the old flame sneak off to the old mill to do some location scouting and chemistry scouting (laughs) between each other um and like even though you really want her to like do like have better it's not like you want her to cheat or anything like you want her to be like oh this ain't it and leave jacob like that's what yeah. i was just like not like okay everyone should cheat on their spouse if they're in a loveless marriage that's not how that works it's you should leave like you're allowed like i get there's yeah. also like the religious aspect to that that she has to deal with um it's like you can't have 
like a pastor's wife leave him. That's a big deal. But yeah. uh, you should be able to feel like you can leave a relationship that is more harmful than it is good. And it really is for her because she doesn't have any autonomy. Um, but what these two don't know about this mill is that it is the current home to the master, an ancient vampire, uh, vampiric being that has set up shop in their small decaying town. And he's very like Nosferatu looking <laughs> it's very yeah. silly um there are parts of the, like when it comes to the vampire and like the gore that's very fun in this film and uh-huh. we're in like if, if it was wrapped around literally any other film i would have been like this is great and that's the part that i enjoyed i was like it was so silly and i was like laughing um because it's supposed to be comedic <laughs> yeah and it's just oh. um but during this time Anne is turns and it starts her journey into the monstrous femme however this journey though at times empowering for Anne, fumbles with that independence autonomy and self-respect that we wanted her to find in the end and ultimately drops it um and my hope in watching was that she would become Anne in the end um shrugging off the identity of jacob's wife for good uh, yeah. And she didn't ever. She remains Jacob's wife forever. <laughs> like, like they don't trust each other. And I don't know what I was supposed to learn at the end. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> but I was really expecting so much more from a film titled Jacob's Wife, honestly. Um, in the beginning, I could see where the film was considering to take us. And I was really excited because we have this church wife, Anne, who turns vampire and wakens a strong, independent woman within and takes back her life. That's what I wanted. <laughs> That's what I was yeah. hoping for. And there are moments where we're teased with this possibility. Um after being turned, she feels violated, changed, and aware of this dif- different person she's becoming. And she like wipes away the blood and she suffers alone, um, not wanting to bother or maybe even just not feeling comfortable or safe enough um, to share that with Jacob. Yeah. Um, which is like, right, a big red flag that you don't want to tell your husband how you've been violated in this way. Um, yeah. And she's right to be weary, wary because he doesn't trust her (laughs) he never does uh in this whole experience so in the morning she like looks in the mirror and you can see that she's like finally seeing herself like considering who she is in the mirror and who's looking at her like she's examining her her body and her being um and she starts to appreciate this woman and the power that she has within her and there's these moments of joy and like self-discovery and pleasure that are really bright parts of the film um like seeing Anne drinking blood from a wine glass listening to music and rearranging the furniture in her house is fun um and her private moment with the master is exciting and you root for her um, and you yearn for her to actually experience pleasure for once. But so much of that is undermined by the entire story and plot uh, that you kind of forget that those moments even existed. Yeah. 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 Also just like a thought that I just realized that like in that the master is also a woman that there's like, queer undertones that we never get to explore either which is disappointing the problem with that is it's not a woman like in the story the master is like that's how it's been represented in all like the things that are written about it okay but it is um the master is played by a woman it's played by the actress who plays the nun in um the conjuring films or whatever um and she does a lot of different um monsters and so because i was when i looked it up that because i was like this (laughs) i was like who is playing this like master and i saw that i was like oh because there could be so because i was upset and i'll get into that too but just like at the idea of like this film where she's supposed to be like taking off of the like oppressive uh restraints that her husband has put onto her and then Uh she's gonna go and be subservient to a master um, yeah that really but i was like no (laughs) it was like i think we're missing the entire part here which is like another thing we had a problem with bit for um i was just like no not happening um but it's like the master is kind of different and i i did enjoy like what eventually happens with the master, but I did hate how the other vampire refers to the master relationship. And that also made me mad, but that's just because they disrespected all the other characters in this film. Um, So uh, 
That's a fun side note. Thank you, Kat. Uh, Jacob learns of his wife's transformation after finding her devouring their neighbor's corpse, uh, yep. which was actually delightfully gory. Uh, she like rips his head off. <laughs> it was like very funny. And I, I was like giggling. I was like, this is very funny. Um, and there are like these comedic moments of relief when like you can allow yourself to enjoy the film for a minute. Um, like in this in this scene, he said uh, she says it wasn't me. Uh, after Jacob like <laughs> finds her like lapping up his blood, to yeah. which he replies, "Of course it was you." <laughs> like, like I am literally mean? watching you do this, um, yeah. and I was like, "That's funny." The stupid gore is funny. The awkwardness is funny. But then it's like, but what are we doing here? I think one of the biggest problems with Anne's awakening is Jacob. Um, because when she becomes more confident in herself, uh, this woman who once found the red lipstick too sexy to wear to dinner is now wearing low-cut dresses, red lipstick, and styling her hair in a new way. Um, yeah. Jacob picks up on this and immediately hates it. Yeah. Like, he's not like, ooh, my wife is hot. He's like, now she's a vixen. Now she's <laughs> trouble. Now she isn't the plain Anne that I know will do what I tell her to do. Yeah. Um, now she's unpredictable and yeah. he can't stand it. Um, she's a person instead of the idea of a person. Yeah. She used to be how he made her. Yeah. And now she's not. Adam's and rib he, energy. <laughs> yes. And he hates it. Um, and there's this part where the master tempts Anne throughout like this film, uh, reminding her of her innate power, her passion, her right to be pleased and desired. Um, but time and time again, she chooses Jacob. Yeah. And it's like this man who will never trust or appreciate her fire and strength, like ever. And he's made that clear. He does yeah. not like her. <laughs> he doesn't like who she's become. And he really never even cared about her when she was what he wanted anyway. And he still feels like in the film, like he's the protagonist in a way. And that, yeah. like her changing has been done to him. Oh, yeah. No, you that's know? super like, fair. Like it's, it's, he's been robbed of a wife. Of yep. the, the obedient wife that he was supposed to have. Like, he put in his time. He helped her when her mom was sick. He's a pastor. He deserves this. And by her trying to find any autonomy is disrespectful. Um, even to the point where, like, when they go to decide to kill the master, he forbids Anne to go. Like, yeah. he keeps robbing her of her autonomy, like, the whole time, over and over again, all the way up to the end spoilers <laughs> don't watch this film i'll watch it for you where he kills the master for her yep and like during that time the master is explaining to Anne that he only chooses like the master only chooses specific people to turn and that they aren't subservient to him he's like i don't own you which is contradictory to what that other vampire said um yeah. but essentially it's just like i did it because i saw that you were struggling i saw that you have potential to be more and to be strong and that they were keeping this from you. They're never going to respect you. They're never going to love you. They're never going to appreciate who you are right now. Um, like they don't trust you. Look at them. Uh, <laughs> and while Anne is like trying to figure out what she wants to do, make a decision for herself. Um, yeah. Like the master is telling her like, Jacob won't accept you, uh, which is true, and that she's better than him, which is also true. Um, but before she can make that decision to accept the power or to kill the master herself, Jacob yet again steals her ability to choose and kills the master all by himself. And he thinks he's a hero. Yep. Um, <laughs> he's like, oh, good. I saved you from making a decision <laughs> for yourself. Um, <laughs> like, uh, and the disappointment I felt every time she chose Jacob is like, it was like fire. <laughs> it's like the yeah. lackluster, awkward sex that they had. Um, the complacency from Jacob, like in their relationship, like every time it was just like, well, he's safe. Um, and the consistent just settling of and on Jacob made the film really hard to watch. And though yeah. I enjoy the gore and horror, like I said, uh, I was really outraged by the lack of empowerment and growth for Anne. Like even in the end, it was supposed to be this tease of like, they don't trust each other. 
Cause like, they're like, yeah. we're going to be together forever. And they go to kiss, but he's got like a weapon and she's got a weapon and it's just like, or he's got the stake and she's going to go bite him. So it's like, uh-huh. Oh, maybe there's still trouble in paradise. It's like, there was never, never paradise. Like, what do you mean? This I think always that. Yeah. this film tried to do what Santa Korea, Karina diet did in that. Yeah. Like, the husband's cool with it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's what it was trying to do, but they did not have the relationship set up. We're like no. in Santa Carita diet, like they had a true real bond that like transitioned into the monstrous state. We're like in this, he was the worst the entire time did not see her as an actual person. And then once she's monsterized, continues to not see her as a person because he anything, doesn't now she's an, an enemy. She's evil now. Yeah. And like, totally like the constant choosing of him was so gross even like even more so than enraging like it was both but like it was like why (laughs) you and also it was super gross that like she was like the master was like you are the chosen one it's like why why is she why for what she's for why you've turned other people (laughs) why why is it this little white lady that you're so about it's uh, the whole time she's like maybe jacob's right <laughs> maybe she ain't got nothing to bring to the table um oh, no no i yeah no no uh, but i agree that it was like like first of all he's no timothy oliphant so that's yeah first and foremost um but yeah he because there's a point where he's like being cool with it but yeah. he clearly is like it's because he wants to stay relevant it's not because he cares about her. It's because he still wants to be a part of the story. And I feel like those parts when she does choose him in the middle of the film was like the director being like, uh, see, it's different than you thought. Like, I'm being unpredictable. Like, I'm twisting yeah. it. And I was like, no, but you you messed up. Like, yeah. this is if this was a predictable film, would have enjoyed it. Hands down. I would have had a really good time with the predictability of this film. Yeah, like, um, just let her murder him. Like, let why? Me just, like, let me have that. <laughs> Like, I get, he took care of her when her mom, but she doesn't owe him. No. It, like, very much ties into the whole, like, incel argument that, like, if you take care, if you're nice to a woman, you take her, you pay for food, you do that, you're entitled to her and her body and everything that comes with that. And it just played into that instead of doing what it should have done, which was play against that. But I guess that's, oh, well, ultimately, (laughs) it's good kind of the reality of what it is currently (laughs) yes um but there is actually an entire other argument besides just the fact that she's she doesn't actually get to be a monstrous femme in the way that we were talking about um that really solidifies this film as being bad yeah so allow me to go into this journey with you um So other than the failure to live up to the promise of its name, the plot that seems so obvious, it never revealed itself. There was actually an entirely different issue that I had with this film. Um, And if we are to consider Jacob's wife a tale of feminism, then it is very specifically white woman feminism. Yeah. Period. Um, Each and every peripheral character is generally a person of color in this film, and they are done wrong. Yep. flat out amelia who is the young church girl who takes care of her mother is the first victim in the film and that was already like a no-go um and an issue that we had where we almost turned off and that's like yeah. in the first 15 minutes i was like it is 2021 when this film came out there's no excuse to make a black character the first victim yep. that is old news i don't understand why it happens it's the same problem i had with quiet place too so many yep. things you could do that are a win but you do that like for no reason it's just like Lazy How many times cheap. they killed black characters in yeah. Quiet Place too, but in this film, it's just like all of them, and I'm gonna go into it. Yeah. <laughs> but besides that, just besides the fact that they chose to make her the first victim, um, I hated how dismissive Jacob is to Amelia right from the beginning. Yeah. Um, that he clearly has no care for her as a human, but he only sees her as another face amongst the congregation. He's just like, yes, yes, take, you're doing a good job taking care of your mom. But it sucks that she's awful. Isn't it terrible that she's like, you know, left the grace of God and she's gross, Um, which is not how you deal with those issues Um, anyway. (laughs) And it's again, that thing of like, you exist to serve someone else. (laughs) So he's like, good job doing that. Yeah. I mean, Jacob's like a narcissist ultimately. Like, (gasps) yeah, I mean, his whole thing is getting control back. Doesn't actually see people's people. 
Is what He's it is. a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, But the big, what really, really started to make it really upsetting was when Amelia goes missing because everyone assumes that she ran away. Um, And I cannot help but believe that were Amelia White, the town would be scouring the world for her. They would turn it upside down. She would be on the news and they would not be having that conversation at dinner. It would have been like, oh my God, that poor girl. Yeah. Um, in season three of you, actually, there's an episode titled missing white woman syndrome, where it's revealed to Joe that by killing and disappearing a white woman in a suburban neighborhood, he messed up because the world is going to bend over backward to find her. Um, yeah. And it's made even more impactful in that show in that the person who explains it to him is Tati Gabrielle, who is a young black woman and is like, you're an idiot for not knowing all the complexities of this issue. Um, And in you, there's a whole discussion about the misrepresentation and the disproportionately significant attention white women and girls receive in the news when they're missing versus the incredibly underreported and undermined missing person cases for BIPOC women and girls. Um, There are entire documentaries, podcasts, and organizations that are dedicated to shining light on this issue. And in our Ways to Help section, I will include many of those organizations and initiatives that are focused on finding uh, Black, Indigenous, and people of color uh, who are missing because they are completely just like forgotten. In Canada, there's a severe problem with missing Indigenous women that just like not until recent times when people were like, hey, this is an issue that people stopped and was like, wow, that's a lot. Like, that's yeah. a big number. <laughs> right. And so, <laughs> like, how I was like, this is 2021, how ignorance of the entire world or existence, like people who exist outside of yourself and your one experience, like, how could you be so deaf and, and not seeing of, of <laughs> these people? Like, I was like, this is so tone deaf. It's absurd. Yeah. Um, and so in this dinner scene, the intent here is for you to feel bad for Anne. And it's like in a way successful. Like I said, you can see her being talked over and dismissed. Um, and when she is met, when she does speak up, she's met with confusion by her peers. But here she's also supposed to see be seen as a hero to some degree because she's sticking up for this young girl. Like she's actually seeing her. She heard her out. She feels a connection because she's also caring for someone. She cared for her own mother um, yeah. and knows that struggle. So when you're watching, you may see a white feminist who is speaking out against injustice towards another woman and trying to use her privilege as a white woman to get their attention. But the shifts completely when the film decides to put her experiences first and to villainize the very person she was defending. Yep. Completely. So Amelia is a vampire. Like I said, she was the first victim. She was turned into a vampire by the master, apparently not good enough to be the chosen one, (laughs) that said, but good enough to turn even though whatever. And then she's like super <laughs> subservient to the master. She like calls him the master. I was like, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you can have a young black girl calling anybody master when they look like, like, what are we doing? But Jacob encounters her in the mill while antagonizing two young teens of color who are just out having fun. Yeah. <laughs> He's been antagonizing them the whole time. Amelia, though her fight is clearly with Jacob, murders one of the teens, Oscar, um, and then taunts Jacob, like, exorcist style, where she's like, your mother's a whore, whatever. Um, But she's, like, empowered. Like, she shows him, like, she's happy with the self-discovery. She's free of, like, the burden that her mother was and the expectation of society. And she is the feminist story that I was looking for in Jacob's life. But instead, she becomes fodder for the fetters, okay? She, like... Later, when they're seeking out the master, um, they run into uh, Amelia, and that's like, they Jacob ends up murdering her, um, and that was a big problem because this whole in this whole situation, the whole point of why they were going to kill the master was to quote unquote free Anne because she's in trouble, right? Um, so with that logic, if they were to kill the master, then they could have freed Amelia too. Yeah. But they don't care. They just they killed her. They didn't yeah. care that she was just literally just extra. She was just yep. there. She was in their way to complete whatever task they were doing. And Amelia, Amelia, who is a young, vulnerable woman and very much part of their community, is just dismissed. Um, Amelia, who Anne had defended just days before, is now too far gone and not good enough to save. Yep. Because Amelia isn't playing her role the way she was supposed to anymore. 
She wasn't fitting into the, the society and the obligations that they were putting on her at the very beginning that made her worthy of finding a good husband and having a good life. Um, and so much more could be said about the treatment of black women specifically, um, the expe expectation on certain behaviors, the policing of their pain and emotions, and that when a white woman is angry, she is heard, but when a black woman is angry, she is being unprofessional, she is aggressive, she needs to tone down the attitude. Yeah. And <laughs> when I was watching this, I was just like, how could you miss all of these undertones, like how can you miss all of these implications as a director, as a creator, um, and just be so ignorant to other people's experiences that you make a film like this. Um, and Amelia is a black woman who's cut down for being too aware of herself, for finally feeling comfortable in her own skin. Eli is a young black girl who goes to the police after her friend Oscar, a Latina person, is murdered, and she is dismissed because she has a record. And even yep. though the evidence clearly points to Jacob doing shady things, his Bible is found in there, and they still dismiss it. They just they hand give it back. Her any credit. Like, <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? The neighbor that Anne eats in a frenzy after he came to check on her well-being is named Navid and has a young child, and clearly they're in a mixed-race relationship. And then there's a young black girl who witnesses two white people stealing a body and putting it into their trunk, and she is calm, cool, collected, and made into an uncomfortable joke. She says she won't tell on them if they tell her a curse word, to which Anne tells her to F off. Yeah. Which is incredibly uncomfortable for a pastor's wife of a clearly majority POC town to curse out a young girl while they are stealing a body in front of her. Yep. And even the butcher in the supermarket does not report Anne for literally only ordering blood, uh, which is an incredibly reasonable time to call authorities to give them a heads up about this weirdo. Instead, he keeps it to himself because there's no way that the police are going to listen to this black man over a story of a white woman who, mind you, later is found draining someone in her home. Yep. Again, they know they're like this is not gonna. They're not Eli, who's like maybe there's hope. There isn't. So the film, the film fails to give us the feminist arc that we were looking for. And while half-heartedly even trying to do that, also manages to completely abuse and misuse BIPOC bodies. If you're going to make a film about a white woman finding her power at the expense of and on top of black and brown bodies, then at least give her autonomy in the end. No one wins in Jacob's life. And I think it's really safe to say this is a no for ghouls. Yep. <laughs> it's like this is absolutely a failure in the part of creators. And I cannot like condone this in the ghouls history of films. Top of the we dislike. Yeah, I, I, it's with or with contracted. Yeah. <laughs> not redeemable. There's nothing good about it. It's honestly the amount of times we almost turned it off and it's like it's interesting too because i don't think this is going to be something like midsummer where we go back and we're like oh it's different no I no. Can't, you can't you can't like the, you can't <laughs> convince me you can't yeah because also if it was like maybe that's what they're trying to do then it was not this man's job to tell that message then yeah like maybe barbara should have written it Right. If she was like pioneering it, if anything, it just shows how clearly out of touch she is, too, about being this white feminist. Like, did you feel like a win? Did it feel like a win to you, Barbara? Like at the end, did you feel like that Anne got to be Anne and not Jacob's wife? Because she didn't. She yeah. was always Jacob's wife. And then <laughs> they just got to like they got to get away with everything. There was never a time where I felt like I was rooting for them. And then all of these people have to suffer around them. And every single time they were a person of color. And it was like, that's just why, like, did you think you yeah. were doing a good thing by including people of color in your film? You were like, Oh, look at us. There's so many of them. of them, but you killed them. And the one you left was the sheriff, which is already a problem. Like we already have so many things going yeah. back there. And they, they, at the end of the film on the scene specifically where the police force is just like, Jacob, handle your wife. Yes. She literally was tied someone up and draining them in her living room. And the response is not, this is a crime. Yeah. <laughs> Arrest her for murdering all these people. It was, hey, Jacob, you know, your wife's doing a lot. Can you uh, handle that? You know, yeah. this is, this is about, this is more of a, a religious thing than a, <laughs> uh serial killer spree yeah. um like this is something definitely up your alley and it's like 
just because you can like you confirm the existence of vampires doesn't mean that vampires can't be held accountable for their actions and like that's yeah. exactly what they were like we killed the master and so yeah that wasn't a real crime they weren't a real person and yeah I mean, it, it was it was only bfuc people so like what <laughs> <sighs> So, like, even if that's what they were trying to convey, like, in the world of giving this film way too much credit that it does not deserve, Mm -hmm. even if that's what they're trying to do, who is Travis Stevens? Yeah. And does he even kind of have the right to tell that story? My guess is no. I'm going to guess no as well. So, yeah. What are you doing? First of all, you got two first names. And you know how we feel about that. That's not the problem, but just putting it out there, you know how we feel about that. Um, It's not even your fault, but right all right from the because when I was typing up this script, when I first wrote it out, that's Mm -hmm. the first thing I thought when I wrote it as a director. But yeah, there's so many things. It's just like it's just like (laughs) contracted. I said, don't put maggots in a vagina unless it's going to mean something. Don't put people of color, black, indigenous, all of them in your film if you're going to abuse them in this way and not like and be just so ignorant. Mm -hmm. Like. I was telling Kat before this, I was like, if Anna Lily and Mirpur can like get abuse from audiences and have like that complicated interaction because she featured a person of color who died in the film, yeah, uh, and someone like called her out for it, if she can be held accountable and, and people can go after her, then I think this man can be held accountable. Yeah, <laughs> and should be, and there is none of that. Like the fact that no one in any of the articles that we read even remotely mentioned the yeah, problems. Yeah, I searched for it. I even changed my search classification. I was like, uh, Jacob's wife, problem. Jacob's wife, white feminism. Jacob's wife, abusive POC character. Found nothing, mm-hmm. literally nothing. And it was really why I was like, I looked for it. Like I even used different keywords. I wasn't even just looking up the film. Like I was looking for a specific somebody saying something and I did not find anything. And if if you are out there and you also feel this way, please tell us because yes. you're not on Google and we don't know, well, we know why, but <laughs> like, ah. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I... Let us know like how you feel and if you felt similarly and you feel like it's not being represented or covered properly and because it isn't, it really isn't. And I think people need to do that. Um, one of the other things Kat and I were talking about was like, you can, you can't praise horror or film for having an impact on the world in positive ways when you can't, when you don't also like critique it when it's not doing that, when it's being harmful, yeah. like, cause you completely like invalidate like how important the impact of film media are when you just dismiss it when it's bad like when you don't want to harp on it you don't want to critique it but you only want to ever talk about when it does a good job yeah because that's just a disservice to the entire genre and to media as a whole and as for you as a critic to not be scrutinizing at times like it's okay for you not to love everything and it's okay for you to pick out on things that are not good and to call them out for that and say we need more (laughs) films about female vampires kicking butt or just like femme vampires kicking butt like whatever it is we need more of that we don't have it and the one that we do is trash yeah. And also, bit let us down too. <laughs> like, yeah, at the end there, pulled its punches. So, yeah, if you're out there and you have a vampire script, we want to see it. We want it out there. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> I'm, right, probably, I'm gonna yell a little vampires. bit too in my section. It's gonna be a little repetitive, but it's fine. It's I love fine. it. We're here. Let's we're saying it. words. We're saying words. And we're doing stuff. Um, <gasps> could it be? That vampires have a similar theme to that of the succubus and werewolf. Yes. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Unshockingly, (laughs) vampires, like other monstrous creatures, exist to represent societal fears of people acting outside societal norms. They are a literary and cultural tool to dissuade individuals from acting in certain ways um, and fear those who do and ultimately ostracize the existence of the other, whatever that is throughout history. Um, what was disappointing about this film, as we talked about, uh, is, is that it didn't present anything new or especially interesting to the idea of the vampire, as well as just being blatantly offensive. Um, and maybe it wasn't trying to. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that it, was, it wasn't trying to. Uh, but vampires yeah. can be a great tool 
when used correctly, uh, for representation in that monsters in film, literature, and other media often are coded to represent the other and push back against like the opp oppressive forces. And in some cases, like this one, reinforce them. Mm -hmm. um, when approaching the monster as feminine, there are so many opportunities where the presentation can act as a commentary on feminism as well as intersectionality. They don't have to exist as separate things. Yeah. Um, and this film, unfortunately, missed that opportunity entirely. It felt like it was an early 2000s film, despite the fact being made in 2021, in that it, it was filled to the brim with BIPOC characters, but did not give any of them autonomy, depth, or power that was afforded to the white protagonist. Um, instead, it used them as fodder for this white woman who ultimately only cared about how the patriarchy impacted her personally um, mm -hmm. and never, as you said, got to achieve that power. And any power that she did get to achieve was achieved through cannibalizing the BIPOC characters in the towns as a mean to stand up to her white man husband while simultaneously benefiting from his status um, and yep. his role with the local police force. Oh, my God. Um, the approach was really tone deaf, as Gabe, <laughs> Gabe shouted. I'm shouting. Like, it was really tone deaf. Just re how was it? How did none of no one watched it and was like, "Hey, maybe we change this. Maybe we don't." Like what? Maybe no. Why isn't anyone asking him? Like, what do you want? What did you want to do? What is your goal? Okay, if we're taking like the literary thing, where you pick a backpack, you have a backpack, you mm -hmm. put all the things in the book backpack. What was your What was your goal at the end of the hike? What yeah, was the why, goal the end you with your backpack? What, what did you want to achieve? Because um, you didn't achieve, if it was to make a movie that just reinforces the patriarchy and is bad, mm -hmm. then you did that. Congrats. You did a great job, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but as Gabe kind of got into, it was really upsetting the presentation of Amelia, who is just as much dealing with her newfound vampirism. And in, for whatever reason is viewed as less worthy as surviving in the eyes of Anne and apparently this entire town, despite the fact that they're facing this like same oppressive patriarchal force. Mm -hmm. um, and Anne starts the film expressing very performative worry about Amelia only to quickly jump to demonize her and dismiss her personhood as soon as it is inconvenient to her. Yep. Um, and the film continues to follow Anne in her journey of centering herself uh, <laughs> as she actively murders and hurts the BIPOC men and women around her for her own gain. Um, the field, film ends with this muddy and grossly unaware representation of white feminism, if I've ever seen one. Um, and it's likely that while we went into this film expecting so much more, that it's passed for so long because lots of people don't go into films expecting them to be better or different. Mm -hmm. um, go into them passively as kids are like not wanting to critique them when some films need to be critiqued, especially if they're going to exist within a genre that like we really love because of the fact that it's always saying things and putting yeah. like powerful statements out there. And it doesn't always have to do that, but it also needs to not actively do harm at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like it'd be one thing if it was just a fun vampire film and like, that's what we were expecting, but it clearly positioned itself as if it was trying to say something and then actively harmed what yeah. it probably classified as its audience in trying yeah. to say it. Um, so it tried to, it positioned itself as it was going to say something interesting taking a stance against oppressive patriarchal religious space and then carelessly and without actually saying anything meaningful, just threw that away. Yep. To which I say, oh, well, <laughs> maybe yeah. we'll get to make films one day and we'll do different <laughs> or maybe 2021, there'll just be so many wonderful 2022. We're in a different year, whatever, yeah. you know what I'm saying? In future, the future times will have mm -hmm. different films that do a better job. But Hashtag fund the ghouls. <laughs> And from the ghouls, we'll do it. I promise. Yeah. Gave us so many monstrous femme scripts. Like I will put the money where my mouth is. She has at least three. I just yeah. want to say that. <laughs> I've read them and they're great. So um Yes, uh, the monstrous feminine can be used as a tool to challenge oppression. And when it's done right, it's so exciting. Um, the use of the vampire has been used in media by both the oppressor using the monster as a way to demonize, as well as the oppressed taking back that monster um, as a point of catharsis and healing. While this film didn't achieve either, we have watched some really fun vampire films that maintain a level of wit and awareness, such as Wit Bit, Vampire in the Bronx, so Vam and others. Mm -hmm. uh, and when discussing the monstrous femme and monsters in general, it's important to recognize what can classify someone as a monster. How do you get deemed a monster 
by society, vampire, werewolf, succubus, whatever have you, because they all kind of overlap. Mm -hmm. Um, And to that, I say it's really simple. You exist outside the domestic space, monster. You exist outside the nine to five daylight hours, monster. You exist outside the heteronormative, monster. You exist as a confident sexual being, monster. You exist in your skin and that skin is not white, monster. I could go on and on because societal othering creates this idea of the monster and that can be applied to so many different things and is largely influenced by social trends. So the result being to literally just exist as your authentic self, if that is a threat to those who don't, is the superficial societal construct dubbing you a monster because that's easier than changing the system. If you can silence the voices that are different from the ones that are in power, that is easier than letting them actually change anything that's happening. Um, And it's also unfortunately been used as a tool throughout history to justify countless atrocities done to those others, be it through witch and werewolf trials, wanton assault and murder, or just general ostracization or disenfranchising. Mm -hmm. Um, Today we're talking about vampires specifically though. So I'll provide some facts. Um, According to history.com, there are almost as many different characteristics of vampires as there are vampire legends. But the main characteristic of vampires is they drink human blood and they typically drain their victim's blood using sharp fangs, killing them and or and or turning them into vampires themselves. Um, we've seen many renditions of the vampire throughout the film and literary history. There are vampires that sparkle, the vampires that can't be in the sun, uh, vampires that, if they consume enough blood, do get to go out in the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the forever fun, like, let's subvert the usual understanding of what a vampire is uh, yeah. and the, like the things that are actually weak against are really empowering for them or just like really kind of flipping on its head what is understood of like a vampire is and making it different. So the way vampires are represented in media is similar to the way vampires are represented in history and are often used to explain things that people may not understand. Um, The understanding of vampirism in the Middle Ages, for example, surrounds the fear of the spread of the plague. Um, This kind of stemmed from a lack of understanding surrounding the ways in which viruses spread, as well as the way the body decomposes. So in one example, there... uh, in the middle ages, they, whenever a plague would take out an entire family, they Mm -hmm. would think it was vampirism because of like the bad luck associated with it, as well as like the mass loss of life. Mm. Um, And because of the fact that they didn't understand how decomposition happened, that lots of plague ridden bodies would have blood pouring out of their mouths. And that was a common thought to exist as vampirism. Um, But there are instances of illnesses that impact one's ability to be out in the sunlight, such as porphyra, is my guess, that are misunderstood and also deemed as vampirism because of the skin reaction to sunlight and how it blisters. Um, Some symptoms of porphyra can be temporarily relieved by ingesting blood, uh, apparently, Uh, and other diseases blamed for promoting the vampire myth include rabies and goiter. So vampirism was also used as a scapegoat for various horrific historical events, but also used as a reason for plague deaths, bad luck, and even literal serial killers, among other things. Um, Throughout history, there are references made to vampires that, in viewing in hindsight, there's a scientific perspective that makes them seem less realistic. Um, but that's really most things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You look at them and you're like, wow, yeah, no, we have a better understanding about what the world is. So now uh, we're we not see that for what it actually is. And we <laughs> yeah. don't think it was a monster murdering monsters of people. Um, but the history.com article goes on to outline whether or not vampires are real and says vampire superstition thrived in the Middle Ages, especially as the plague decimated entire towns. The disease often left behind bleeding mouth lesions on its victims, which to be the uneducated was a sure sign of vampirism. It wasn't uncommon for anyone with an unfamiliar physical or emotional illness to be labeled as a vampire as well. When a suspected vampire died, their bodies were often disinterred which i believe means like you dig them up um to search for signs of vampirism and in some cases the stake was thrust through the corpse's heart to make sure they stayed dead um other accounts describe the decapitation and burning of the corpses suspected 
of suspected vampires well into the 19th century. Um, there was actually an example uh, where they suspected in Rhode Island, I don't remember exactly the year, but that they had suspected the daughter of this family was a vampire because the entire family died of illness, um, tuberculosis, I believe, specifically. Mm. Um, and what they did was even worse because there were some children who survived, but because they thought the child was a vampire, they burned her and then made the brother of her eat the ashes in attempts to cure him of any potential oh, no. harm. And he died because you're not supposed to consume dead people, yeah. uh, especially the ashes of dead people. Especially um, when there's ter- tuberculosis. Rampant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it largely stemmed from a lot of misunderstandings associated just like with health, um, Mm -hmm. and with what bodies can do. Uh, and instead of just being like, bodies do stuff, that's crazy. Um, it's, it's cause evil. It's uh, literally, you've done something. So this is why, um, but similar to zombies, the fear with these things, coming back from the dead, coming back to hurt you, as well as things entering the living plane that ultimately shouldn't be here anymore, exist as this, like, fear of what my partner described as, like, fear of accountability in some sense. (laughs) Um, The existence of vampires themselves directly challenge the Christian understanding of the afterlife and the fear of the undead demons and others surrounding death practices is something that's oftentimes motivated by Eurocentric thinking. So considering a lot of American media is heavily influenced by Eurocentric thinking. It makes sense why a lot of our understanding of the vampire and like of horror ends up being told through a Eurocentric lens. Um, My partner Isaiah, as I said, brought up that it could stem from a fear of being held accountable for actions and that specifically Christianity and Eurocentricism kind of tie together in that there were millions of atrocities committed by Mm -hmm that entity um and that the fear of the undead could more often represent the fear of being held accountable for the countless atrocities that took place at their hands in thinking of colonialism imperialism and other isms that were committed by white europeans and americans etc it's not a stretch to think that there may be a subconscious fear that one day there will be a collective vengeance that might force one to atone for those sins if Mm. thinking about the fact that Catholicism as well as Christian, there's there's a level of atoning for the things that have taken place. Uh, yeah. That that would be like a natural fear to have. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that the millions murdered could come back for vengeance to get back at them for their unjust ends, or even someone who's lived through the horror of everything that is humanity, all the atrocities that have taken place, and can out that history mm. um, for what it actually is. My point ultimately here is to highlight the fact that the fear of the undead is not a universal thing, that there are lots of cultures uh, and different places around the world that have a different relationship with death and ancestry, um, and that it's not a universal thing to fear the mm-hmm. afterlife or death. Um, so I think vampire stories could look very different if told from like different lenses. Yeah. Um, the other side of vampire representation is less about the fear of vampires and more of the allure of the idea of the vampire, the power of being a vampire and escaping from the short-sighted human experience. Um, that being a vampire would be a point of power for those who have been victimized by systems of oppression, enacting that vengeance and vigilantism that they've kind of like been without. Um, vampires also provide a pathway to power uh, in that they have the strength and special abilities associated with them that usually there's like a level of like superhuman strength, um, not having you sleep during the day. So you have a different point of time in which you can enact such vengeance, kind of mm-hmm. like Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there are those who see the vampire experience as a way to kind of gain power within lives where they don't feel like they have that power, a lack of belonging in a space that you have like in cut like vampire kind of like witch covens, like vampire collectivism, there's like mm-hmm. community that can be established through that. Um, that would give a level of a lack of belonging or a sense of belonging in a general space of lack of belonging. Um, if we're thinking bit and how like the goal of that vampire collective was to cl- kill all the gross, awful men that preyed on women. Uh, there's like also a power that comes with the monstrous feminine vampire and that you're, have a ownership of your sexuality and be sexually free 
to live openly however you want, um, and freeing oneself from the oppressive patriarchal standards of gender roles as well. Like owning your sexuality because no one can really tell you otherwise because you're going to live forever and they're eventually going to die and their opinions don't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, just escaping death is also something that could be like really exciting and powerful and freeing. Um, And that freeness is kind of what makes vampires very interesting in addition to being scary in some lights. Uh, Just because there's a lot of simplicity and short-sightedness that exists in humanity if you think about how climate change has taken place it's because everyone just doesn't think about what the future is going to look like yeah (laughs) or specifically far enough into the future yeah Yeah. they're like this is the time that we're here so it's we're gonna do it you know and then what happens next no one cares um yeah that's not my problem that's somebody else's problem we're like vampires if they're here the whole time it's definitely they're like hey no it's actually a problem I've seen this a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. And that's really like, think. there are really, like you were saying, there are some really great vampire films and like, we've covered vampires a few times. Um, we did uh, the monsters of love in our love gone wrong series or romance gone wrong series where we talked uh-huh. about only lovers left alive and just talked about that. Um, but even yeah, with like the zombies, like the fear that like the uh, repercussions of your actions are, <laughs> animated and come back and stare you in the face and take vengeance um and that maybe you're not the hero this time um (laughs) but also i was thinking like with the procedures that they did with like uh exhuming bodies and then uh harming them after like their death like um like staking them or burning them or doing those things it's like you are um I'm totally blanking on the word, but it's just like you're disrespecting. Yeah, desecrating. Yeah, you're desecrating yeah. these these graves and these bodies, which can be a really big, um, like uh, in certain cultures and in just like places in the world, like that is really a severe thing to happen yeah. to your loved ones to to disrespect and abuse their bodies after they're gone can have a really severe impact on the way that like based on how you envision afterlife or what happens after death and so um there's just so like it's like ignorant and it's um yeah disrespectful because it's coming from the lens of how you envision the afterlife and what your yeah. culture is saying eurocentric death yes. practices so uh, it's just like oh it just like <laughs> never stops it just keeps on getting worse so many layers yeah it's gross and sad um yeah. but um <laughs> but, I mean yeah and it's like I had so much hope because I was like okay you have this like I was hoping there would be more to say about the fact that she is Christian too um yeah. because she's like in a home she's a vampire who lives in this house that had a bunch of crucifix like throughout the house she had like yeah. the pieces of garlic that were just like hanging like on the, wall, in the, yeah. on the wall like she can look in mirrors like there's all these things that they were subtly disproving as far as like vampires go and the fact yeah. but like I was like she's this Christian wife, but she's going to be a vampire. And her husband is a pastor who thinks that he can exercise her. And there should be so much more to be said about the fact that he can't, because there's nothing wrong with her. Um, yeah. But that wasn't, that was better than <laughs> He exercised by just stabbing people uh, and getting away with it in the end. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I had the, the one thing was uh, when we first started watching, there's like sermons in the beginning and he's like talking about being good, partner and good wife or whatever yeah and I was like when I grew up in the south uh in Florida there we had this really small church that we attended uh uh, that was like it was like wood you know (laughs) it's like that you someone helped them build it kind of small in the middle of the woods church and the pastor there um he was a nice man but I just remember one of the sermons was like similar in that vein of like you need to be a good wife and take care of your husband and all that. But it was kind of uncomfortable because the pastor at the time had been dating this woman who was a part of the congregation. Uh And it felt very like, even I was like young, I was in middle school and I was picking up on this. Like he was like, talking isn't taking me seriously yeah and she needs to realize that i'm the one for her and i was like you cannot use (laughs) the word of god in the middle of like sunday mass to like push (laughs) like that she needs to obey you and be yours and just like you know like marry you and then eventually they did get married which is gross i wonder if they're still together but i just remember being like 14 and being in the pews like this doesn't seem right it seems like he's yeah. angry and he's taking it out and he's using this book that 
like we're supposed to care about uh to to push a message that has nothing to do with like us <laughs> yeah and i mean it's just gr- the whole thing was honestly just really gross too and like thinking about that as well just the way in which religion acts as a tool of the patriarchy as well as like a tool of like anti-lgbtqia yeah stuff. like not every woman wants to be a wife to yeah. a husband. You know what I mean? Like not everyone wants a man. Yeah. So maybe talk about different stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, they also don't have children, which I think is really important because I wonder like that could have been talked about. Like I wonder if he yeah. has some resentment towards Anne for that, like not doing the role of the wife that is. Yeah. That maybe that's why his like passive aggressive sermon was actually about. Uh, yeah like you didn't even have a child that's gonna take care of us and be belong to us yeah which is also just super gross because it's like women can do whatever that they want they want (laughs) so yeah how dare um yes yes so (laughs) that is our review of jacob's wife which you can tell we hated i think the rest of the series is gonna be full of things that we enjoy hopefully Um, definitely the next episode we enjoy uh i'm i don't know blew my mind and i haven't seen the girl with all the gifts but i definitely want to and i we will there are really amazing vampire films that in the future we will cover they just didn't fit into this like there's death by temptation but like that's a male vampire uh there's transfiguration also a male vampire um so there are things that like i want to cover those because they're saying really amazing things or or they're worth talking about it just didn't fit with this so um (laughs) if you there is a film that you were like you should have covered this and it's not bit because <laughs> we've already known that uh, yeah. please let us know and so vam which we've also covered but that's yeah. not uh the female vampires are peripheral um yeah. and that and so uh let us know we always want to hear definitely check out our ways to help section so you can see how you can support and actually do the work that this film like negatively impacted um yeah the white women syndrome i it really upset me. I was like, we just had Gabby Petito in that whole situation where there's like yeah. a young black girl who was missing at the same time under similar circumstances and no one heard about it. But the world stopped yep. to find Gabby and we knew exactly yep. where she was. Like, I can't like, okay. Yep. Um, <laughs> you can go on forever about missing women. So, uh, yeah. and maybe I will, cause we will do true crime at some point. Um, yeah. And I mean, as Gabe said, check out the ways to help section. Cause there are, people who are doing not what Jacob's wife did uh, and are like real life practical applications for uh, these things. There are actual missing human beings that need to be found. Uh, Yeah. So help and support where you can. Um, Yeah. And don't get married. Delete your kids. Or just don't get married because it's an oppressive system. Yeah. Like literally. I don't want to be Here is a goat. Thank yeah. you. Now you are a wife. I've exchanged ownership from your father to your husband now. Like, I don't have yeah. either of those. It's also <laughs> like, okay, like, I'm not going to go on this tangent. But the way in which Catholicism as well as capitalism intersect with the patriarchy and selling Very human beings, um, especially women, is really upsetting. It started in Italy at the birth of mercantile culture. Well, it didn't start there. Like, it just like that's one of the places. That's uh, selling women. Yeah, yeah. In which we've talked about. And Where you're like, uh, I have a new people. wife, so I'm gonna murder or like set loose all the kids from my first wife, and uh, my first wife is dead, so uh, her name's erased from all history, uh, mm-hmm. replaced by new. Just look at King Henry the Eighth and. Yeah. They just off wives whenever we felt like it because they're less than. It happens all the time. Um, <laughs> History is gross. If it doesn't make you mad, you're not reading it right. Yeah, you're um, not paying attention. Yep. Uh, so I hope you hate this film. Don't watch it if you haven't yeah. already. Um, and uh, remember to like, subscribe, rate, review. We're on TikTok. Things. We're on TikTok. People like us there. Apparently. Who yeah, knew? Cool. We're here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but we'll see Young you next cool. week. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye. bye. <laughs>